All right. Hello and welcome to the Flail Forward podcast for our fifth episode. We are a podcast about game design and amateurism, mostly because we're pretty amateurish. I am your ostensible host, Fred. Uh, I have a, a project called Wanderlust. I'm Karas Narur, aka Car, and the game I'm working on is called Legendcraft. Hi, Catrice here with Sayorsa. So everybody else's turn. Jonathan here, still working on Cut to the Chase. Uh, Kivbor here, still working on a mess that I'm sorting <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, oh dear. Uh, <laughs> well, that's an important part. Yes, uh, so I guess I'm still working on on the Google document called One Spirit, One GM, and X Cultist Motivations Edition. <laughs> oh, that at least gives a little bit more than jumbled mess. I don't know. I think I think jumbled mess might be more insightful. It to be untitled. It's still untitled. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, we can get into our uh, our opener here. Um, so our topic tonight is going to be about character creation, which I know is a huge topic. So we'll probably only cover part of it. But I wanted to start out with like the favorite character we've made. Um, and I, I, I brought a caveat to this of this has to be a character who is straight out of a character creation system or generator or whatever you want to call it. Um, because there's a lot of character that comes out during play and you learn a lot about a character during play. But since we're talking about character creation, I don't want to restrict it to just or have it be about characters that you've really played well, but it be characters that are were interesting because of the way you made them or because of what the system gave you. Although it wasn't totally my idea. I'm kind of taking credit. <laughs> I have the power. However, as, as always, it's only fair that I start. Uh, so, I mean, I don't actually get to play that much. Uh, I mostly GM. I've only played in a handful of games over the years. But uh, I think my favorite character that I can talk about right now is a character who whose name was Rosen or Royson. I kind of made up the pronunciation depending on the day. I kind of changed it back and forth um, because it was a text game and I never had to talk to people. So the pronunciation didn't really matter. But I, I made her in Traveler, uh, the Mongoose Traveler 2nd Edition. And I really, the Traveler character creation is fun. It's a life path system. And I like this character in particular because for whatever reason, every single role I got was unlucky and end up, ended up in a mishap or a bad situation. And so I ended up with this, this character who just had this whole string of awful things in her past. And that then made for a really interesting character who I thought could create a lot of conflict in the plot. That was my, well, one of my favorite, I guess I'll say my favorite character I've ever made. Anyone else have an answer? Yes. <laughs> I can go next, I guess. Um, since we're limiting it to just ones that we have actually generated from character creation, though, that actually narrows it a lot because most of the game systems I found that character creation is either it doesn't give you a whole 
bunch to go on for like idea of what the character's backstory and their stuff is like what there is about the character it's usually just either a mechanics or b it's very very limited mechanics with emphasis more on like appearance or more vague things like i haven't found too many systems that actually make me think very in-depth about the personality of the character other than like what i would actually find in play by playing them now the one ex i don't want to do that but the biggest exception i found to that is my own system because basically i just took the concept of how i build characters for like when i'm writing novels or when i'm writing characters for video games and stuff like because i've worked in design for both those so i just basically took the concept there and asked pretty much most of the same questions that i do there it's kind of a cop-out answer though um for a more fair one I'd actually say one from a 3.5 D&D game, actually, because the GM basically gave us full uh, capacity to make our, not just the characters, but like we could create our own species and backgrounds and classes as long as they were run by the GM first. And as well as that, he wanted like an actual proper backstory. I think it was something like a five page backstory required or something. So in that case, when I was forced to actually go through and think about all these various things, the character actually ended up being fairly well developed. And it ended up being this, uh, like I built my own Kitsune species because it was being it was taking place in a monster girl uh setting kind of thing and it was going to be taking place on like pirate ship so just from the sake of doing that and having to have like a fairly elaborate backstory to explain this i actually got a fair bit out of the character like just how she thought and such but i don't think it was because of the D&D 3.5 rules so much as it was that there were certain questions we had to answer like uh describing their personality without describing just stats and i think that's something that needs to be done more often anyway sorry we're long <laughs> cat went long as is maybe usual um huh? all right if i had to go uh, does anyone else have a good answer I don't have a good answer, uh, but I I'll go since we're if we're gonna try and stay in order. Um I'm gonna go with um Okada Denek, who was a character I made in A D and D second edition using um forty six drop lowest for stats. In order, I rolled 18, 18, 18, 18, 17, 18. <laughs> I've actually watched people do that in person. It's 
yeah like wow i could do anything i want with this character and it would not matter what i did so (laughs) i will do something unusual for me and i just made him a fighter rolled exceptional strength and got a 74 and went on from there um so yeah i I ended up rolling a god character in D&D and just made him a fighter. And everything that happened to him throughout the game was dependent on that decision. Because hmm. at ninth level, he slew a great worm black dragon by himself. <laughs> in three rounds. Uh... But yeah, this is about what they were like here. Yeah. I think I also um, am going to use uh, ADDA second edition for my favorite character, um, Creation. And there's a lot of reasons that have to do with picking favorites. Um, and so, one reason, so the character was a halfling thief and his name was Jasta. And um, the first reason is that was my first character ever created. And so, I don't know, it was just neat. I've never really had that type of play experience again, which is sad, maybe. You know, never <laughs> had as good a play experience as I did with the first time I played. But um, uh, also, that, as I recall, and it's been a long time since I've even read through the books there's a lot of options for building a character um it had a somewhat extensive skill system and it had sort of unique weapon choices and the the choices were um different like they did different things you know damage wise and it in play, it's kind of a mess, but in character creation, it feels really unique. Um, yeah, so that's why I liked that. And yeah, I picked a staff sling. I thought that was cool until I realized that that's what every half laden thief does. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that was my favorite character that I created. So my favorite character at character creation. Okay. Okay. And uh, uh Kath, I, found, I technically found a a character I never got to play from but uh, from a Monster of the Week game, but it, I was almost in so I could read that off to you if you want, but <laughs> that's I mean, about it. Your character? Uh I I like their concept. And uh, if they aren't clouded by what happened in the game to make me like them better or less. Because <laughs> the game didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, tell us why you like the concept and what about okay, the process? So the process is uh, basically, uh, for some reason, I was feeling I was feeling weird conspiracy but thing man messing with forces they should not they shouldn't be so i'm like oh uh here's a here's a class for making for making hat for making pseudo monster 
for making monsters, technically half monsters. But I messed with the concept and went, well, you know, they're a artificially created. De I basically I made the character that was an artificially created demon who just basic who <laughs> uh, was who the other characters found living in living in the place they were renting out as for, to be their detective agency base because they were hiding out from the government that they ran away from. And I just kind of liked it, but like the concept I went with, even though it, the game didn't really tell me that beyond, oh yeah, make a make it something that make a monster that's used to be that used to be involved with something evil. There you go. <laughs> okay. Kind of used okay. to be. Uh, so there wasn't much within the. Like, see how ended up. See how actual like at the start of the game they were probably still pretty evil. They just kind of helped out because they're just gonna sort of gonna help out because they were technically living because they weren't kicked out of the place they were living and you know as far as renters go that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That was the reason All right. to go. <laughs> first, otherwise, I assumed that they would probably, get, once they got to know the other PCs, they would go along and build up feelings and all that, because, you know. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, I just liked the way a lot of the monstrous moves were for the game, <laughs> like what they represented, but that's its own thing. <laughs> they are all very interesting. Although they are, really play that game. yeah, uh, <laughs> it's better for one shots than Urban Shadows, but it's worse for everything else. You do have <laughs> about the same delay on how long you can handle like, <laughs> dead air before you start speaking at the same time. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, it's a little messy. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Uh, basically, a uh, uh, monster of the week is one of those things that's a lot that that's a lot more based on sound and cool than actually working, unfortunately. <laughs> so, but it was cool. All right. <clears throat> well, now that we've kind of gone over that and most and at least given a couple of kind of half answers, but that's all right. I mean, we're not the type of people who just, or some of us aren't the type of people who just give straight answers. That yeah. would be way too simple. Yeah, I realize I didn't actually touch hardly on the character at all, just the creation process. Yeah, well, it, we're mostly talking <laughs> about creation processes, so I didn't want to go into the fine details of the character either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, okay. I think that um, there's something about creating, but also something about the output also. Um, they're both important in, in uh, a player's experience in the game. And, and maybe some people will hate creation, but love the output. Actually, not just maybe, I'm sure that there's a lot of players who are frustrated, especially with more complicated character creations like maybe burning wheel who it can become very frustrating but that character may turn out to be a loved character uh in play 
Yeah. I, one thing I've really noticed is that the more in-depth character creation is, generally the quicker you can get into the character themselves. But it has to be when the actual character creation process asks you about the character's backstory, like sets up plot hooks, um, characters that they know already, uh, sets up, you know, things that they should know, things that they think and feel and have opinions on. If you set that up early on, then yeah, the, it's a lot easier to get into character and just start playing the game as that character. You don't have to figure out nearly as much in the spur of the moment. You just figure out like exactly how that concept is expressed. But if you have like a game that it's like all mechanics, for example, where you don't actually ask anything beyond like how much damage do they do? I find you can learn a lot more about the character as you play them, but it doesn't really give you much to start with. That's um, true. I think yeah. fundamental to the topic here is how a game approaches its, or a game's philosophy on how it defines role. Well, since three of us mentioned D&D, we have to talk about the obvious element in the room of race Whoa. and your race and yeah. class, and that's basically you have a like a halfling rogue. There you go. That's, mm -hmm. that's your character as far as D&D is concerned. It, there's not really anything beyond that. Yeah, the, ma the, the main difference I'm I mean, I meant when I said that is, does the game define role according to its own internal structural nomenclature, such as class, or does it define role as an individual? In D and D, role equals class equals character, pretty much. But in other games, especially games with life path creation systems or um, point by systems, they generally tend to give you more depth than that. Where the character starts approaching becoming an individual with opinions and backstory and experiences before the game actually starts. So I have, I have a contentious opinion, um, and sure. I, I, know it, I know it will be a contentious opinion. Um, but That's first, awesome. I would like to welcome our special guest, Mark. Who? Ooh. Oh my God! It's so scary. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a special guest now? Oh, we. I don't know. Because you were I've muted until just now, so I, I feel special. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's all we wanted. Yeah, the main criteria. <laughs> the short bus was running late today. It's not very nice. But okay, I have a contentious 
I have a contentious opinion that is going to derail us. Should right. I? Should. Do it, do it, do it. Yep. Whatever yeah. the hell not. All right. Here is my no contentious one. opinion. I don't give a flying fuck about your character's backstory. I don't give <laughs> It doesn't matter. What about your characters? No, I don't give a shit about anybody's character's backstory. Not to, not that much. Maybe to be it, clear, or maybe to clarify, um, because I think I think maybe I understand where you're coming from, but maybe I'm wrong, is that in the initial, whether your character has a backstory to start with, I think you would like to learn about a backstory in play. Is that right or wrong? Yeah, I okay. I I I did express that rather um, uh, violently, I guess. But <laughs> uh, but Jonathan is is correct. I before the game starts, I have no interest in a character's backstory beyond maybe some basic things and potentially connections with other PCs. Uh, but after that. I don't really care because it's not relevant to the game. If it's there, I mean, I guess, sure. But I don't think it's particularly meaningful. And my problem with individual backstories is that uh, because you're playing a group-based thing, they make you don't want characters to be straight individuals. They should be a part of the group. And so making their backstory intertwined with or at least meaningful to other characters and related to other characters within the group is really important. So I don't give a damn about your character's backstory. Is it specifically that it's a story element that you find difficult to weave in together with the narrative that you want to set? Or is it because it's not relevant to the game and that's an element that a lot of players tend to take with them that they value? Um, I would say it's much more closer to the second one that you phrased in that it's not important to the game and can sometimes even hold it back because of um, a holding on to a backstory that is very individual, whereas the game is very group-based. Okay, here's, here's the thing. A couple things. A, obviously, um, it's not very likely that you've played under a GM that knows how to exploit backstories. And second, um, the PCs are a group of individuals. They're not bespoke components of a unit. Yeah. At least that's my thing. Like, I suppose a lot of players would just accept that they're bespoke components of a unit and move on as the party as the uber character. I I think... But I don't buy that. I think it's... I don't know. I I have mixed feelings, and I think that games sort of ask for different things. I I think sometimes a game asks for a backstory... Um, as a way to have something to be resolved. Like there's often players put things in their backstory that they want resolved in play, Um, which I don't always... Hmm? How many games really do that, though? 
Well, as for a backstory or any kind of depth at all, and tell the GM this is fodder for your story that you're setting up. I okay, so so not not a lot explicitly say that, but I think that player I should I should say players often look for to have backstories that they can resolve in play. I I, I think that players often do that. Yeah, um, I, I would say that the thing with backstories basically breaks down into there are really I'd say three main ways of looking at it for most GMs that I've seen. They basically either are a really lousy GM and they don't care about the backstory because they don't know what to do with it. They're not interested in the characters themselves. They're basically telling, this is my story and you basically... The party that shows up to it is just there to watch. They're not really part of it. You have the advanced GMs that they can take pretty much anything the characters, the players throw at them, and off the top of their head, they can adapt to it, and they can take, oh, well, you just mentioned in character that, oh, you have, like, this sister or something. Okay, I can make use of that. As soon as you mention it, they can put it to use. And then you have those that they want to know your backstory in advance because that gives them more time to plot out all the intricacies of the plot and make sure that the story is about your character rather than your character just being incidental to the plot. And I think that is actually like a really important distinction that those three styles all pretty prominent and i don't i don't much care for the first one but the other two can both be pretty good if you get the gm that it's like they have no interest in your character period and it's like you do not exist as an individual period i can't say i care for that style of play i <laughs> i totally agree i like I think it's important that my, as a player, um, that my character comes from somewhere, that he has a, a history. Um, but I don't necessarily need, I, I more want that history to determine how I play the character as opposed to having the GM use it as fodder. Um, I want to learn. As a player, I want to learn about my character as I play, as opposed to being sort of tied in with my backstory. Mm -hmm. Okay, I have a mild revision. Violent now is it? Yeah. <laughs> the only revision. The only revision. It, it is. It, it is very minor. Is that. I say, I don't give a fuck about your character's backstory, except for a couple hooks. But... are <laughs> candy as a tool to have for a GM. But, but... Like, that's, that's really annoying, is like, you have like a character sheet, it's like 15 pages long, and there's no plot hooks in it. It's just boring, tedious crap. It's like... Yeah, it's something in labeled here numbers are not plot hooks. Hopefully, 
hooks or th- interesting things would come out of character creation. Um, but Hopefully, not always. I have not, seen the opposite. I'm, I'm certain. But and the re- part of the reason, like I, uh, Carr made some reference to bespoke parts of a um, of an instrument of a thing. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. Like, uh, I understand them being individuals, but it doesn't make sense to me to have five individuals all having different stories going on together. The reason I think that... That's not really the point in most games. The point of most games is that there are five individuals who the same story is happening to. Yes, but and it's and that story, is not each of their story. Yeah, but and that but is ultimately still... a good thing. Now, my my issue with predetermined backstories, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of steamrolling you here, but I want to finish my point. Um, my issue with those like individual uh, backstories that players create, you know, like they make their character and then they go write five pages of backstory. That ends up being one of the things where, I mean, sometimes it's perfectly fine, but often I find that it's detrimental because a character will go, oh, this thing is in my backstory, so this is how it's going to work, or, you know, puts a bunch of things in their backstory. Um, and it's it just becomes a problem with play because then you can't you can't go back and edit it and be collaborative um when you have something that's predefined true you can't edit it but you can evolve the character through play it just has to start as something with a particular backstory the backstory doesn't change but who the character is and what they do can can evolve from that sometimes very far from it i actually find this really weird for Fred to be holding this position because usually one of the biggest things that he emphasizes is wanting characters to create part of the world and this is basically completely contradictory to his normal stance. Yeah. No, it's not. I don't I don't see it that way. No. Um I think he wants players to be involved in creating part of the world. Yeah, uh, it, it seems to be more along the yeah, lines of everybody has like... to create it as a group. You're not allowed to do something on an individual level. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mean... pigeonhole like that either. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying yeah. this is what it sounds like. Please feel free to correct me. I guess um, that having um, a similar starting point or a, even a similar story doesn't um, exclude individuality in play. Oh, I, um, I don't, I, I, I'm not trying to exclude individuality. Um, no, I just, d- I'm saying that I agree with you. I don't think that's what you're trying to do, but. And at the the same time, to reply a bit to what uh, Kat said, uh, yeah, I think most things in RPGs should be like as done as a group and done collaboratively, not done individually, because it's I think it's an interesting point. Thing. Sorry, go ahead, finish your idea. Oh, no, that was it. Go, please talk. 
uh, I think sort of the reason that we have a backstory for a character is to give the player something to with which to anchor themselves in what that character represents or who they are, what their personality is. And it gives like a, a platform with which to start the game. Because I think once you have a, a developed game, like once you've played through it um, and you have an existing campaign, it's usually much easier to understand who that character is, how they react to situations, uh, what role they fulfill in a group or where they want to be. Um, but it's really that springboard to get to um, how do I play this character and what do they represent to me? Um, so are there other games that we can talk about and maybe even some of our own games and how we address uh, that that springboard, that starting point to Cooper. how do you start your game if you do or don't have a character backstory and how much of that is written into the rules of the game or not? Um, yeah, I totally so they, agree. Backstory and any kind of behavioral depth is the meat on the bones of all the numbers. And I've, I've seen some really interesting designs that don't necessarily have a, uh, a character design or like a character creation step, but it's really just, um, I'm thinking of Swords Without Masters here, where you start the game and choose uh, an Eidolon that represents what your character is. So it could be like a, a piece of fiction, a work of art, um, something in your environment that just embodies what you want to um, act out in role play. Um, so you don't develop a, a backstory of when my character was a child, they grew up under this, whatever. It's just, here's a uh, an image, perhaps, that I want to share with everybody of what I'm working with to inspire me in the game. Um, I think that that's really powerful because it's fast and easy and quick, um, and it doesn't involve a backstory, but gets you that that platform to start off with. Um, I I've never played that game, but I, I I've seen other games where I think it's really interesting where players allow their backstory to be created. I mean, even if they start with one, um, but they go through, and then every time they learn something new about their character, they write it down. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the game, you have quote true backstory um, because essentially that character is done in the fiction of that character is done, right? Yeah. You'll never go back to there, but you have a complete character or a complete backstory. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I prefer the backstory to be personally is mostly. Mm -hmm. one, so, thing ahead, I do, one thing I find that to get on to like the issue of like collaborative and individual uh, creation of stuff is that collaborative design can be good. Like you can get a lot of different minds going in on something. But the problem is what I found is that when you have pretty much anything designed by committee where everybody has a say on what happens, it all ends up kind of coming out kind of samey and sometimes that's not a bad thing if you're trying to maintain uh, group coherency however then we also find like what Fred mentions for when he creates his own characters like a lot of the time he has to intentionally create a character that specifically counterbalances everybody else's 
because everybody else's ended up being very much the same. Um, there's That's, not enough. You're you're adding a second part to that that I never said. I never said yeah, it you was mentioned it in previous conversations. Is all. No, no, I, 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 that the first part is true. I often do create characters to counterbalance the party, but that's not necessarily because they've all the same. Like that, that doesn't mean they're not, they're not individual characters or, you know, they're, they're not, they are the same, but just that they don't have a lot of conflict between them for whatever reason. And I want to create that conflict. Well, yeah, There's nothing they, to do with the They don't conflict. naturally tend to create conflict if everybody's on board with the idea. Like, when you work as a collaborative group, you don't tend to get much conflict just inherently. If you have some... If you create your characters individual from one another, you're going to get conflict. Pretty much guaranteed because, well, the characters aren't made in mind of each other they're not vetted by other players they're not being created with seeing how everybody else thinks about the same concept when you work in a group you look at how everybody else is thinking and you kind of tend to mush together into i have the... never had that happen when i'm creating characters as a group <laughs> i'll just say that right out like they don't they are they don't mush together they're they might be more likely to have similar ideals in some levels but it's not a, it doesn't instantly happen i don't know where you're getting that yeah. from <laughs> strange well, well, awesome. experiences yeah um it's true yeah. we don't all have the same experience with our, yeah, our gameplay <laughs> I just because she's saying it like it's something that is true one hundred percent, and it, I, it's yeah. not. There's <laughs> always the stereotype, the stereotypical thief paladin friction. Well, and the thing is, like <laughs> almost every time that I've ever had a group where, like, we built the characters as a group. Immediately, as soon as somebody picks either the rogue or the paladin, everybody's like, don't take the other one. That's like the immediate consensus is don't put these two together in a group. Whereas if you built them individually, they'd find themselves stuck in a group and have to work around it. I have to say that I have to say that in all the groups I've played with, where the the characters were all made in the same room, as it were, and somebody picks Paladin or Thief. I've never experienced somebody else saying, don't pick the other one. So what do all these um, sort of uh, conflicts in character creation, um, like how, how do we, or how do you address those in design, or do you bother? Like, I think that when we look at creating our character creation for our games, um, that things like this are worth being considered. And do you guys have any thoughts about that? Um, creating conflict? I mean, just in general, like how, how do you, what are your thoughts on character creation from a design perspective? Oh, I, I think any of us could go on for hours given that question. <laughs> I'm just trying to get away. 
I'm yeah, trying like, to get away from the backstory argument, I guess. I just yeah. want to move, move forward and say, like, okay, how do we narrow right. it down? All right, yeah. I will help you do that. Um, I'm sorry, you're you're probably the better man than I. Um, <laughs> but I did actually have a couple of kind of subtopics that we can talk about. Um, and this first one is also going to be a little bit contentious because it's so broad, but I feel like it's important to talk about when we're talking about character creation. Um, and that is, what the hell is an RPG character? Like, how do we define them? What are they made up of? What are the things that we put down on the character sheet uh, in your traditional d and A lot of that is subjective and goes towards design goals. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it depends on the game. Um, but I think Fred was kind of heading that maybe there's some inherent things that all or people might consider inherent to all RPGs. I don't know. Well, well I don't want to say there's anything. Assumption, the inherent assumption in all RPGs is that a character is an individual. That's That was the development step that created RPGs out of tabletop war games, which were unit-based. Well, except that that's not true anymore. And in fact, it's not true it's not been true total. I mean, general assumption, sure, but there are, okay. Yeah, general assumption, there are exceptions to that rule. But, sure. Um, but yeah, the, but as Jonathan said, I, yeah. I had a bit of a, a further point, um, which was that uh, often, like, you see a character defined by the things, like, the things that I often see coming up a lot are attributes or stats. Um, you know, one of those, your strength, dex, wisdom, uh, whatever those Race are. Class level. Blood. <laughs> uh, yeah. <Sorry>. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then usually you've got, um, well, some sort of thing that feeds off of that, usually skills, or sometimes they have like substats and stuff like that. Um, Jonathan attributes abilities description. Oh, that's actually a really good way to put that. Okay, so, uh, Jonathan, would you like to explain what that means? You want me to explain what that means? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I was, it doesn't mean anything. I just think that's what we're, we're heading. Like, that's the typical character sheet. You know, some sort of set of attributes. Um, maybe some abilities beyond that. And a description, uh, as in what are you? Um, that's... That seems to be way more in depth than the typical race class level parlance. Mm, no, I'd I'd say that covers that pretty well. Um, I don't think that any of those things are more in depth than that. No, I mean, I'd say race falls under description. Your class basically actually race is attributes abilities, abilities, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some games decide to cross those over. Um, exactly, but. I, Sorry, go ahead, Mark. Oh, sorry. Um, I was just going to say, I'd, I'd argue that all of those things just tend towards like uh, what mechanically your character does in the game and what, um, I guess, emotionally or, or outside of the scope of mechanics they represent. Like whether it's a class or race they or attributes, they tend to indicate what your character is good at, what they're proficient with, um, where your role is in the game, 
and then it also defines sort of their their emotional level or their uh, like how they relate to others and and within the story of the game. Mm-hmm. I'd say that all of those so, other attributes and and classes and stuff can be broken down into mechanics and like representation. Oh. Um, so yeah, the way characters are typically discussed in shorthand is basically an ID card. What is necessary for a character? I think that's like the, the deep question when it comes to all this. Do we need all? What do we need and not need? Well, I think the most important we... thing that every one of any of these points that have been brought up is is that they differentiate one character from another it's like sometimes it's their personality sometimes it's what they're good at but there's always a distinction of this character is not the same as this other character yeah within the space that the game creates for character definition yeah i I think that 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 individuality can very easily just come from uh, the player without any, say, mechanical differentiation um, or very little, like, for example, uh, lasers and feelings. Um, you can have individual characters where without real individual, like, like they don't really function any differently. Yeah. So- yeah, lasers and feelings is what a number, a name, and some two traits. Equipment. Two traits. One's a job, and one's a rate, and one's a position on the team. But it doesn't matter. It's a, you could just reduce it to two. Right, and I'd argue that those but, are then the mechanics and their representation, like with their image. I guess they're the mechanics. Yeah, mm-hmm. but for a game that act that doesn't have. That actually doesn't have mechanical differentiation between characters, but still has character depth. It is there's the example of Cut to the Chase, but most people don't have that to reference, so I don't know why I did. Right now that I think about it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you probably I, should. I'm pretty sure you put that up on. Uh... It, uh, it's it's not quite yet, but um, wow. <laughs> but it's it's interesting because they actually do have mechanical differentiation because they actually can't do any of the same thing. Um, yes, the, the, but, two, uh, the two characters that exist are completely separate from each other, but that isn't part of the creation process, unless you count the creation process as, I'm the hunter, you're the hunt, you're the prey. Yeah. Yeah, technically, all hunters are basically the same, though, at least mechanically. Mechanically, yes. But how they operate and how things work. Yeah. So the one necessary well. thing that a character needs is the ability to do stuff. Yes. Within the context of the game structure. Yeah. Like, uh, the, so what's the what accepted... What they do is, is, is the whole next design step, but characters mm-hmm. have to be able to do stuff. They have, yeah, they have However, to be able to interact with the game. game. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh... Yeah. More, more than that, I would actually like to put a caveat on that as well. 
the character has to be able to have effect meaningful change in the world like not just the world can act upon them they have to be able to act upon the world in kind it has to be a two-way street it's not one or the other yes but that's not character that's not always defining character creation necessarily like that's that's what a character is in general but yeah hmm. um you okay don't have any way to do anything in the world though then you're not a character you're a prop yeah yes I know that doesn't really come about in character creation necessarily, but... but you frequently choose how you can, yes, you're right, sorry. Yeah, like, generally speaking, in most games, you want to have some way that you can do something meaningful that's... And it, it's easier to be able to do something meaningful if you can do something other people can't. Because otherwise it's like, okay... Oh. I anybody can do what I'm going to do, so why should I do anything? Because somebody else can just do it for me. I know that's not really the mindset that most people have when they go into the game, but you do kind of usually want something that sets you apart from everybody else, even if it's a minor thing. Sets you yeah. apart from the other characters, or sets you apart from the rest of the population? Either way, PCs and NPCs still do stuff. Even if that's intrinsic to, or or a huge assumption in what we take for granted of what a character is. Like, you don't need a stat to be able to talk. Any character can talk. No. That's something that anybody can do in the game. That's interesting because whether or not whether or not you can fight or cast spells or do whatever is minutia on top of doing stuff. Um, I th I think it's interesting that you'll say that everyone can speak, um, because I think that that's. I mean, I understand what you're what you're saying, but that sounds more like an assumption than a um, a, a rule. established fact, a rule. Yeah. Why? Because they are mute characters. No, not necessarily. I mean, it's obviously what you. There's probably not many exceptions to, but um, is gameplay always uh, involving or needing? Uh, speech maybe um there there's i think there's different situations where we might be able to bypass that rule uh just for the sake of making a game that can bypass that rule more than likely but okay yes if i think pretty much any assumption you want to make about role playing there's a design goal to subvert it so can we stop being pedantic about this stuff f fair enough i i'll I'll concede that unless Fred had some other uh, point about that. Oh, I sure. I'm just it. I was just uh, sorry. I was just uh, uh, trying to point out that it, I, I thought it was weird because I've, I've seen that kind of assumption before of like all RPG characters can talk. But ultimately, 
I guess that conversation isn't pertinent. So let's move on. I, I've had RPG characters that can't talk. Well, actually, so I've had a well, I haven't played any, but I've I played it actually played in or ran a game where someone was playing a mute character. Um it didn't yes, work but, very well for a while until we figured it out, but yeah. It's I, it possible. can actually work right, really so, well. But that's but, that's something that a player that's a choice a player can make when making a character, but the game made the assumption that characters can talk. Okay. Um, so. And Not do always. talk. Usually there's things like languages, and even if you're mute, you still have like uh, some language. But as, something so, you can do. as we've been talking about this, uh, and we've touched on this a bit as we've been going along, but I think the next important thing that we can talk about, and again, backstory is part of this, but kind of, I think one of the important parts when talking about character creation, partly because it's not particularly common or not at least well done, is attaching and inserting fiction onto that character. So taking it beyond the numbers and notes jotted down on your sheet and making it relevant within the world and uh, how can we do this within our games um, to make sure that... Well, backstory is the attached fiction that the character begins with. Isn't it? Yeah, I think, though, examples beyond, quote, backstory are things like contacts or, um, you know, maybe goals or... Um, I don't know. I think is is that kind of where you're going with that, Fred? Or I usually still consider those to be backstory. Yeah, well, there, I, there's an argument to consider them backstory, but maybe we're focusing on backstory too strongly, and we should go into we should be talking about depth instead. Yeah, and that was I mean, okay, so I backstory is probably part of it, like. Um, I, uh, let's, again, let's, yeah, let's move away from backstory a little bit. But the reason I said, like, um, attaching fiction uh, is it's that where you, you know, you take, okay, I have 12 strength, but what does that actually mean to my character? Um, Or I have this ability, what does that actually mean to my character? Why do I have that? What place does that put me at within this world, etc. Um, so essentially the asking questions by using the character creation and using the mechanics to make sure that char- that players can put characters within the world and make them more than just numbers. You know, that's because- actually kind of weird that you bring that up because way back in second edition D&D, they actually did mention that about like the uh, stats and such, like all of your attributes, um, things like strength. What does twelve strength mean? What does nine strength mean? Does it? It's below average. Does it mean that maybe they're actually pretty sickly, but they're trying really hard to work out to overcome it? And they actually pose that as a question. Newer fifth edition doesn't actually 
do that. It actually kind of glosses over the attributes pretty quickly. Instead, they try to attach the story right. with. I, I kind of lost you there, Fred. What'd you say? Um. Okay. So why is that important? Um. I mean, are you putting this forward as the better way to do it? No, or... Not necessarily. I I actually didn't really care for it. I just thought it was interesting since you mentioned the uh, attaching like story to like your stats and such. And it's like, you know, that is actually kind of odd because they used to do that, but they don't anymore. And honestly, I never really cared much for it personally. It always felt kind of tacked on because there was no real guiding principles behind it. It was a little too vague and mushy. It was like, here's a number, try to figure out what you think it means. And there was like no real direction behind it, but they told you to think about it at least. If there was a little bit more to it, where there was a bit of guidance, I think it may not necessarily actually be a bad idea, just not the way they did it originally. Yeah, yeah the, the way D&D has evolved, that, that kind of... Uh effort to direct the player to think about their character fictionally is basically the baby that got thrown out with the bathwater. Well, not, not sorry. No, go ahead. The, the bathwater being all the stuff that they've tried to streamline out of it. I mean... They tied. Uh, they decided to tie fiction just to it in say. a different way. They 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 tie fiction in different ways. Um, instead of two stats, old D and D, you were your stats. New D and D, you're still your stats, but they try to frame it differently and say, oh well, you also have flaws and heals, and you have a a history, uh, as it were, um, with. Uh, yeah. um, well, the other thing that that the thing Kat was talking about that second edition did was it not only made the character, the players think about their characters in terms of the fiction, it also helped put the numbers in context. Yeah, there's not really so a lot of context with modern numbers. That a 12 stat is average, but an 18 is really exceptional. If, Another... you, if you don't think about that um, outside of the terms of the numbers, the numbers don't have as much meaning. To get on to Jonathan's point, I think it was, I think it was Jonathan who had mentioned the thing about like the 5th uh, edition now has like they do kind of mention a backstory, sort of, if you can call it that. Like, yeah, don't get me started on that mess. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm canceling all D and D discussion. We're done. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so then we're talking about, sorry, um, fiction ahead, on characters, and yeah, some games. I, I think what tends to work well 
Um, and this is even uh, like Mark was suggesting with us, uh, Swords Without Master. It's just having touch points uh, and whether it's it, giving something to flesh out in play. At, at least that's how I enjoy it. And when, for example, in Blades in the Dark, you have contact, a, a good contact and a bad contact, there's not a lot of history described um, when you pick that contact. A little bit, but not a lot. And you get to sort of explore that in play. Um, I think it's a good tool for creating fiction. Um, well, what I tend to see with players is no matter what the mechanics prescribe as the character's attachments, however spindly those attachments may be according to the rules, players will strengthen them. Players know where the narrative lacks in that case. So they'll fill it out. Yeah. I I don't they still fill out the parts they want to fill out. If there's like a contact that they find enjoyable, that they like the personality of, it becomes a full-fledged character very quickly. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, it's so... Rare, it's, it's less common that players will create their own attachments or fiction from the character to the world or to another character that the game didn't already make possible. Okay, um, except I've seen that happen um and again this probably comes from our uh obviously very different gaming like I said, it's less common but still I, happens i think that's might be more of a system problem uh than a player problem because uh using the blades in the dark one that jonathan was talking about i've i've made characters in that system now a couple play that system now a couple times um and i i i like the contact system it works quite well. Um, it, you know, you all you always get something, and the thing about the contacts is, you know, it tells you to ask questions and to figure out how they know this person and kind of what their relationship is like. And so, because the creation process is supposed to be collaborative, you sit there and create your characters, and then you know, you're I can't remember what I think it's called GM in that game. Um, says, okay, you know uh, Darren the Blue Coat. So how do you know him and why? And it, you know, because you have a bad relationship with him, you're like, oh, he caught me doing some crimes a while ago or something. And it sets up a good relationship and gets a contact. But it also gives that player a NP or couple of NPCs that they have, you know, some control over so that they can define what is an interesting NPC to them. Like what Kat was saying, where they'll cling to that interesting contact or that interesting NPC or whatever. Um, but often, like with the Blades in the Dark one or other ones where players create NPCs, they form that attachment to it because they have created it. It's theirs, so to speak. I think that's very dependent upon the type of player. Like, there are definite, there's definitely a difference there. Like some players want to have 
a lot of investment in the world in which they've created part of it. And we've definitely seen that for some people, but we've also seen like, um, the opposite as well, where they want to have a lot of investment in their one particular character, and they're not really interested in making other characters, just in interacting with them. Like, we saw that very clearly when we played that uh, game of um, Monster Hearts with Rob. He got really sick of making all of the uh, extra characters to the point he left the room for an hour. Well, okay, that was a me problem um, no, because I, I, I don't was think it, forcing the creation. I don't think that was actually of... even you or anything. I think that's actually something that you see very distinctly in different players. Some people just don't want to do that. They're, they're either interested in a very small number of characters, or maybe just one, just their own personal character, but they don't necessarily want to make a bunch of other ones. I think that's something that might need to be taken into account. Okay, so how... There's a, there's a big difference between a player deciding my character knows they're in the blue coat, and the game telling them, okay, for every character... For every other character your character knows, now go through char character creation for them also. That that's is a huge leap. Except not that's not close. Yeah. In, I mean, by that's a long time. Um, that is, no. I know that's not what Blades does, but I'm just going from one extreme to the other. Okay, yeah, sure. That is, I, so, I definitely think that's awful. What um, other tools uh besides contacts um have you guys seen or are familiar with uh as far as adding fiction to characters um i um, i can i can definitely take this if nobody else can yes yeah, so uh yeah go ahead car <laughs> please <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to get someone to speak Okay, um, pretty much any historical detail about a character is fiction that attaches them to the world. Other characters that they know, where they're from, um, what happened to them before the game starts. Um, yeah, anything. The, the question is so broad, it's really hard to answer specifically so i guess i was just trying to get away from the the contact as a tool because that was it's one tool and that m more than one game uses successfully but it, it's one that some people aren't necessarily interested in like y you guys said and that's why i was i posed the question mm -hmm. um it often sounds like yeah when we we fall back on backstory um i think there's a little more to it than that um social it, connections with other characters is another big one one i saw that wasn't handled so well was in tech noir but the concept was good I, mm -hmm. implementation needed a bit of work but one that was in tech noir was you basically have to attach yourself to the other characters in the story um, yeah you basically like, drew from a a pool of adjectives or of how you thought towards them and 
that actually got really messy in our group. We almost ended the game before we fin we started playing because of that. It's <laughs> but, but that's but a that's yeah, that's definitely another tool that's used. We see it in Dungeon World and Bonds and other Apocalypse games, uh, Apocalypse Worlds also, and uh, Monster Hearts has strings. Yeah, you're right. That's definitely a, a strong uh, a strong thing for added fiction. What about you, Fred? Jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Fred? Um, because, <laughs> sorry, I, I know I tend to do that, but I, I have a, the, the specific reason is because it sets up relationships between player characters and those relationships are often, you know, interesting or have some sort of conflict within them. You know, Monster Hearts, it's, they always, they almost always give string. So it's always, you know, something embarrassing about the person or something they don't want to get out. And it sets up play really well. And those types of backstory things that are included in Fire by the Apocalypse games. And I, I think I've seen a couple others that a very similar thing. Um, I, I always think that's a good one. Mm -hmm. But one of the other I think... ways in which... <laughs> Sorry. I think it's neat how Powered by the Apocalypse games, um, instead of s sort of giving very specific uh, uh, things, they, they ask questions. So they say, you know, between you two characters, like such and such a thing and the characters fill that in like you know a secret or um you guys did a job together those types of bonds are interesting because they uh create the bond but then they say you know give us some information on it or they ask the characters give us some information on that i'm, I'm a big fan of of mechanics that that um ask the players for input for input rather than presenting them or forcing them to make a choice. Yep. I agree with so that. Even... Like... Hmm? Sorry, um, go ahead, Sorry, Mark. Can you clarify? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I was... Same um, thing. So, like, things like... Um, it's like, two characters, you know, they get to define their their relationship. I like that better than, say, rolling on the table to see or picking from a list to see what their relationship is. Mm. The two players in the room conversing in the same creative space is a f are, are going to produce far more varied and dynamic results than what the designer proscribed into the book. I think that, uh, in, I'll say stick to Dungeon World to, to sort of argue this, but I think the point of the bonds is to start a conversation where in a lot of tabletop games that interaction doesn't happen. Um, exactly. So I think when you give the options of bonds and you don't need to have a bond between every every player um it is a list but i don't think the point is to i think it's more to start a conversation than to 
um, be very specific. I and I should just have Jonathan make all my points for me. That's that's a well, really good way to say that. I'm not going to say anything else. Yeah, starting yeah, conversation. I think my net actually died for a second there, but to make sure that you're saying what I think you were saying, like the point I was just going to make was probably the same thing. I think whereas basically that you have a list as a starting point to give you ideas because if honestly if you put like a lot of players not all of them but a lot of players if you just give them no direction and say okay what's your bond they don't really necessarily know where to start so if you give them a few examples or even a list of potential options and then say okay this is definitely not the whole list you can do whatever else you want but this is kind of an idea of what to expect from it then yes, that a, seems to be a little direction is very powerful as long as the examples given are clearly stated to be examples and not the concrete. They're, list. These uh, are the I'll only be, possibilities you have. I'll be clear. They're not given as examples. They're given as possible bonds. But you can, in addition, make additional ones. Um. You can always, I, again, I'm going back to Dungeon World. There, I, other games handle this otherwise, but they, um, they are open for creating new ones. Uh, it, the fiction often just creates new ones. And yeah, and you, the, the bonus about it, and again, I know not everyone likes this style of play, but the bonus of when the fiction creates these bonds and you resolve them, you actually get experience. So there's this intentional um, interaction that Dungeon World creates. Um, yeah, but no, it's not. It's prescribed, I guess, that bonds exist, but it's not prescribed that you follow them exactly. Yeah, I'm saying that the way Dungeon World works is more powerful than treating like if you were to treat bonds as a treasure table right okay yeah yeah i see what you're saying so yeah allowing the players to be creative in the space is more flexible than forcing them forcing them to make a choice from a list yeah, I, I think that was the real problem that Tech Noir had, was it forced everybody to have a bond for everybody, but it wasn't even just picked from a list. It was, you randomly picked out a few adjectives and was like, okay, there's three other people, so you pick three adjectives, and now you pick which adjective goes to which person. And we've started running into problems with like um people who had like all negative all negative adjectives and it was like apparently i hate everybody in different <laughs> ways and then it actually got into like lots of problems where it's like i i can only like one person and i like both of these characters i i don't know how I'm going to force myself to dislike this person because it doesn't make any sense. It's like I either absolutely loathe. Yeah, them, I mean, I just everything about. I them, kind of I just... get it 
a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of get why yeah, it's they... a good concept that was executed not well. Yeah. yeah, that's how I described it. It is like there was a good concept there. It is just no. <laughs> yeah, I. Okay, that's that's interesting. I. Yeah, I don't know. I would have put that as like not a randomly rolled on thing. Having that be a you describe it as a random roll on table. So that's especially weird. Like having it not be, okay, here's a a list of ten adjectives, choose three and have fun or something like that. Um but well, there are oh, games with life path systems where the whole process is rolling on tables. Yeah. That I mean takes all creative power away from the player. I no. I don't think that's true. Um I think the thing about a, a um a life path system like that is that you're supposed to do it and then kind of extract, you know, character and fiction from it. Um and you kind of come with uh usually like a skeleton of a backstory. Um yeah. I think you're giving those a lot of those games, especially the older ones, a little bit too much credit. Okay. <laughs> The problem is I can't cover every game. Maybe I should say the life path systems I have had interaction with, which is, well, several, but primarily Traveler and uh, Burning Wheel are both do that pretty well. And definitely life path systems have the potential to do it really well, though I understand that some definitely do not do it very well. that's it for this week, Neros. Tune in next time for the second part of our discussion on character creation. And thanks for joining us. Have a good week!